TCU is reportedly targeting a wide receiver from Boise State that intends to enter the transfer portal. And still no coaching changes. What do we think about that? All that and more coming up next. It's Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And you might say to yourself, why should I subscribe right now? It's the offseason for football. And I know a lot of you like football is a top priority. I totally understand that. Well, one, we're going to have plenty of coverage of the football offseason. You know, if, if anything happens recruiting-wise, transfer portal-wise, you'll want to be locked in here. There's a lot of coverage of what's going down, reaction to it. And then secondly, I mean, we cover basketball and baseball too. So this is the place to be year-round for TCU Athletics coverage. Um, thanks for making it a part of your day. Locked on Horn Frogs. We do it five days a week. We're going to get to coaching changes because nothing's happened. Um, it's we're, it's Tuesday morning when I'm recording this. So my general feeling on this is that no major changes are going to happen on the coaching staff unless somebody decides to jump for another job like we saw with Garrett Riley last year. So we'll react to that in a moment. I do want to talk about the transfer portal first, though, because this is going to be a big – couple months for TCU football as they try to get back on track and get to a place um, where they can be more competitive and better in 2024. And part of that is going to be adjustments in scheme, adjustments. I mean, I'm sure they're looking at every detail, adjustments in how they approach the offseason, how they approach fall camp, spring practice. But, I mean, in all honesty, the quickest way to get better is talent acquisition. And especially if you can do it in the transfer portal with proven talent, with guys that have done it at the college level, that's going to be a huge thing. According to Jeremy Clark yesterday, uh, he tweeted this out. He said, Eric McAllister, wide receiver from Boise State, he is the top priority for the TCU Horned Frogs in the transfer portal. Now, you might remember that name. A few weeks back, I discussed Eric McAllister and the possibility of him coming back to TCU. He's a local product. He's originally from Azle, so he knows the Fort Worth community well. And I'll make this distinction right now. Uh, the portal officially opens on December 4th. So as of right now, the majority of players, like if you see breaking news, so-and-so is going in the portal, the majority of players are just announcing that they're intending to enter the transfer portal. They're informing the coaching staff. They're getting the paperwork they have to get done, uh, talking to compliance to get it worked out. And then on December 4th, they'll be able to start talking to teams, going on visits, et cetera. Now, listen, I'm not naive. I understand that these things can happen behind the scenes, but that's how the process is supposed to work. Grad transfers have a longer window, so they can enter as of now, and they can uh, go ahead and, and start the process if they want to. But the majority of these players are announcing that they're intending to enter the transfer portal. So there is the possibility that they could go you know, go back on that or – they could always end up back at the same school they rent. I think this is different with McAllister. Eric McAllister, the reason I talked about him a few weeks back is because he sort of shut down his season um, with about three games left and told the Boise State coaching staff, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I assume, you know, he, his, his logic was I don't want to risk any injury. I'm going to move on anyway at the end of the year, just letting you guys know so you can start preparing. And there was a Boise State reporter who, who said that the the school he had heard to watch out for with McAllister entering the portal was TCU. 
Um, and with a local connection, that makes a ton of sense. But Eric McAllister has had a really good career at Boise State. I mean, as a freshman in 2022, he had 11 receptions for 259 yards and four touchdowns, uh, 24 yards per catch. And last season was his huge year, 47 receptions, 873 yards, still pretty good depth of target. I mean, he was averaging about 20 yards a catch, five touchdowns. So even in his true freshman year, when he wasn't putting up like an insane amount of yards and getting, you know, receptions week in and week out, he still was able to find the end zone. Um, And then this season had a huge year, was, you know, the number one target for the Boise State team. And, I mean, he did this, and let's see how many games. Nine nine games this year. He had um, almost 1,000 yards, probably breaks out if he plays a full season. So a really impressive year for like Eric McAllister. Um, he had one game against – well, I guess technically two games against Power 5 opponents this year. Uh, had seven receptions and 69 yards against Washington and their season opener. Um, and then had uh, – two receptions and 26 yards against UCF in week two. But really productive game against Washington. His best game of the season, he had seven receptions, 160 yards, and a touchdown against Wyoming. He went eight for 85 against Fresno State, um, six for 143 against North Dakota, uh, five for 170 against uh, San Jose State. So big yardage totals and also um, not a ton of receptions in those games where he's putting up big numbers, meaning like, He's getting chunk plays when uh, he gets the ball in his hands. So that's big because one thing that TCU missed desperately this year with Quentin Johnson moving on was the vertical passing game. And I think part of that, too, was, you know, they they really struggled to block. And so it's hard to run long developing routes. It's hard to run plays that take uh, a lot of time to get going and for receivers to clear if you can't protect the passer. Um, but McAllister has been someone who's sh- shown uh, the ability to go get the football and push the ball down the field, which is something that TCU really needs. He also uh, is 6'4 and 210 pounds, so good size, good frame. I mean, it seems like somebody that you could use in the red zone. Uh, and on the outside, him paired across from Savion Williams, I think is a big deal because they kind of missed a big body wide receiver on the other side. We would have loved to see Cordell Russell get out there. That didn't really happen. But this seems like your prototypical big physical wide receiver on the outside. If Savion Williams comes back, uh, I think this could be a really good one-two punch, and it would make life better for both of them. Another thing about McAllister that I'm intrigued by. Now, there's different schools of thought about this. It, it seemed like TCU this past offseason, I don't know if this was a specific strategy or it's just how it worked out with their evaluations. But a lot of the guys that they landed were uh, former Power 5 players that didn't play a ton at their respective school or didn't have a lot of production at their respective school. Now, there's some exceptions to that. I mean, J.P. Richardson was a huge part of what Oklahoma State did uh, a couple of years ago, and he stepped up in here and did a nice job. But JoJo Earl, um, you know, he was at Alabama and was had a super decorated high school career, didn't play a lot at Alabama before he got to TCU. Um, you know, Daylon Wright had bounced around a little bit, had dealt with some injuries, didn't have just like jump off the page production. Same thing with Warren Thompson. Uh, Jalen Robinson had a huge season at like a group of five school at UCF and then didn't do a whole lot of little miss before coming to TCU. This is someone who's proven it at Boise State. Now it's different competition level, but Boise State, they're not what they were a decade ago, but they're not some also ran program. I mean, that's a place where great players have come through and developed and gone on to play in the NFL. Uh, And so 
I think it's significant that this is a player that has had big time production at the college level, understand what understands what it takes, you know, week in, week out to produce. Um, and you can bank a little bit more, not just on the potential, but the actual like plays that he's made and things that he's done. Um, so I feel like this would be a home run. Now this wide receiver room is pretty stacked and I believe Warren Thompson and uh, Jalen Robinson are out of eligibility. So they'll move on. Savion Williams will have a decision to make. Um, I, I think JP Richardson should be back. I, I don't know that for sure, but I would just imagine he will be Jojo Earl, major ever heart. And, you know, provided these guys don't um, transfer, which I don't think with, with the one-time transfers, I mean, I don't really feel like you're worried about that. Maybe some of your younger guys, you're concerned about it. Uh, but this would be another player who could come in with talent, with production, and, I mean, you could set up to have a pretty salty wide receiver room going into the season. So that's a name to watch. Now, Eric McAllister has been linked to TCU. Like, it's not a done deal, but that's obviously, you know, people are saying, like, they're TCU's interested, they're going after him, and it seems like there's mutual interest there. The next two players I'm going to mention, uh, this is just reckless speculation by me. This is not me saying this is happening. It's just, hey, here's some interesting names that have hit the transfer portal. Would you as an audience be interested? Would the TCU coaching staff be interested? They're both at the quarterback position. Um, and I've talked about the quarterback situation for the Frogs, right? We don't know what Chandler Morris is going to do yet. Josh Hoover in a really good place. You know, I imagine he'll stay. Um, did some really good things in the time that he got to play here and start over the last six games of the season. Uh, Blake Shapin at the portal yesterday for Baylor. Now, Baylor, they didn't they didn't fire Dave Aranda. They're kind of reworking their coordinator situation again. They're going to part ways with Jeff Grimes, their OC. Um, Blake Shapin has not won a lot as a starter, but he's put in some good numbers. Uh, 2,188 yards, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions this past year. Dealt with some injuries, was pretty beat up behind an offensive line that struggled to protect him. But, I mean, he checks a lot of boxes. Experienced. Uh, I don't know where his mindset is. I imagine – well, I can imagine his mindset is he wants to start, right? Um, it's, it's an intriguing name, though. And, obviously, it's your biggest rival. I don't know how much interest there would be. Uh, but it's production. And Will Howard also at the portal, um, which Will Howard would bring a dual-threat component to this offense if he were here that they didn't really have this season, especially once Chandler went down. Um really productive, has some limitations to the passer. I think Josh Hoover is a better passer. I mean, I feel like both those guys, it would be really hard to convince them to come in because they're looking to go to a place where they can have one more year to start and be the dude. And I feel like Josh proved enough, you know, during the season that he's at least going to be the guy to beat when fall camp starts. But these are the types of names you're going to see at the quarterback position. And this is the, the tough thing about, you know, that spot is that you're having to, to sell to somebody, hey, there's opportunity here, but is there really? Uh, Tyler Van Dyke at Miami is another. The other thing about this is I'm, I'm imagining all these guys are going to command pretty big money. And you have to, you have to wonder to yourself, um, as, as TCU approaches this, I would hope the main priority is going to be offensive line. And it looks like, you know, they, they want somebody to be in that receiver room, maybe opposite of Savion Williams. Maybe they go in the secondary at – you got some young guys at safety, so this probably wouldn't be your first choice, but you're losing a lot at that position. Um, and so you have to be wise about how you allocate those NIL funds. But those are just some of the quarterback names that are getting thrown out there as, you know, the first few days of this process 
gets to trickle out. This is a fun time of year. It's going to be interesting to watch it. We'll have uh, coverage of it as, you know, the portal opens up on Monday, December 4th. And I think that Eric McAllister decision is going to happen pretty quickly. So we'll see where he goes next. Uh, when we come back, nothing has happened on the coaching front. It appears Sonny Dykes is probably going to run this thing back for next season. We'll talk about what that means next year in Lockdown Horn Frogs. Anybody catch that amazing Bears-Vikings game last night? Uh, the Josh Dobbs era, it's been fun. It might have come to a magical end yesterday as the Vikings fell to the Bears 12-10. to 10. Justin Fields leads a late field goal drive to get Chicago the victory. You can bet on NFL games at fanduel.com slash lockdown. They have a really cool deal going on right now, $5 money line bet. So last night if you were sitting there and you are like, man, the Vikings, they're not, you know, they're on a nice little hot streak, but this they're going to get upended on Monday Night Football then if you just put $5 down on the Bears on the money line, uh, you would have got that right, and you would have gotten $150 in bonus bets. That's $150 of free money that you can play with at fanduel.com slash lockdown. Uh, they also have an app that's safe, secure, and very easy to use. FanDuel, they are the official betting spark partner of the National Football League, and uh, they are also a, a sponsor here of the Lockdown Network. We are talking about the transfer portal earlier. Everybody knows talent acquisition is the name of the game in college football. It's also a high-stakes wager for your small business, but it doesn't have to be if you use LinkedIn Jobs to uh, put your job posting up. LinkedIn.com slash college. You can post your job for free. They have a hashtag hiring frame that looks really good and sleek. Uh, listen, LinkedIn is a place to go. If people need work, they're going to go to LinkedIn. That's where they're going to search for jobs. Put, you know, put your job there so you can find a wide a uh, variety of candidates that could fit your business. They also have simple screening questions and other tools that narrow down that pool so you don't have to sift through thousands of resumes. LinkedIn.com slash College. Small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in finding and acquiring talent. Find your next uh, hire today at LinkedIn.com slash College. You can post your job for free there. Thank you to LinkedIn and FanDuel for their sponsorship here of the Lockdown Network. So, yeah, you're probably listening to this or watching this on Tuesday. I'm recording this on Tuesday morning. Nothing has happened on the coaching front with TCU. Both coordinators, Joe Gillespie and Kendall Bryles, are still here. There's no announcements that have been made. Uh, I think at this point it's pretty safe to say that unless one of those guys decides to go get another job, you know, we'll probably – we might see some changes at the position coach level – um, but with early signing day coming up in less than a month and just with everything that happens and how year-round college football is, I don't think Sonny Dykes is wasting any time here. It appears that they're going to stay the course and continue with, uh, with this coaching staff and these coordinators for the time being. Now, I expressed yesterday, I thought it was time to move on from Joe Gillespie. And – I don't like to make emotional decisions or, I mean, emotional decisions. I'm not deciding who stays and who goes. I guess I shouldn't give myself that kind of power. I uh, I don't I don't love to just get caught up in the emotions of it. You know, the reaction shows are typically like pretty raw and pretty real because it's right after I watch the game. And then usually on Monday I have some more rational thoughts. Um, but even after a few days of thinking about it, I just couldn't get away from – the fact that Oklahoma so thoroughly dominated them offensively um, and that TCU had no answers for it. And that's been a pretty consistent theme over the past two years, that teams with good skilled players, good athletes that can isolate 
you know, their guys on um, our safeties and linebackers and that have good quarterbacks that if given, you know, all day to throw can just pick apart defenses. They've just been outclassed time and time again. And so in my mind, it was time to make a change. Now I will say, I think there's, there's a couple in my mind, if I'm trying to project or analyze like what Sonny's thinking and what his perspective is, there's a few things that come to mind. Both of them to me are concerning. The first one is just kind of the age old thought and I think there's some wisdom here in the idea that, like, you, continuity is helpful, right? College football teams, the majority of them, they are at their best at the top of the development cycle, meaning you get a recruiting class in, uh, depending on how things shake out, maybe you have a young team, and in a few years you have an older team with a lot of juniors and seniors that are bought in, and that if they've been under the same coaching staff and coordinators for a few years – understand the system, don't have to think a lot when they make plays, they're just reading, reacting, especially on the defense side of the ball, then in theory you should get better. And so Joe Gillespie has now had – this will be his um, – this early signing day, I guess this will be his second recruiting class. He's kind of coached up and gotten signed. He's got some freshmen who will be sophomores next year, uh, or redshirt freshmen next year, that have had a year in his system and that should have a better understanding of what they're going to do. My issue with that is if you're excited about these young guys and you want to keep them in the fold and it's easier to do that, you would assume if you keep the same coach and you would think that they would get better if they center the same coach, why were they not playing this year? And why, if you have a group that returned most of their starters from last season, now you missed some key pieces. You lose Travis Hodge Tomlinson. You lose Dylan Horton. D. Winters, I mean, guys that made huge plays, right? But for the most part, got all your linebackers back, all your safeties back, got a few of your D linemen back from the previous season. I mean, this was supposed to be the year the defense took a step forward, and I think at best they plateaued, but I would say they took a step back because the lows are really low. And it's hard to think of where the highs are really high. You know, a couple of years back they had that great game against Texas, didn't really have one of those this year. Um, so it's hard to rationalize in my mind why you think the progress is going to be linear when it didn't go that way this season. And then, you know, I mean, the, the only other thing I can really think about it is, um, you just feel like with this offense and with the way you run things, with how fast you go and how committed you are to getting after it. You know, from a from a pace perspective and from a tempo perspective, Joe Gillespie is okay living with that. He understands that his defense is probably going to give up some points because they're going to be on the field a lot. And maybe it's tough to attract like a lockdown defensive coordinator when you're an offensive coach that is committed to that. Um, I don't love that mentality either. But those are some of the things that come to mind. Or schedule next year seems more manageable. But to me, like if, if you're trying to win a national championship, if you're trying to be in the college football playoff, those are not the thoughts you should be having. The only one I can really buy into is having exciting young players that Joe Gillespie recruited and thinking that they can develop and get better under him and wanting to give him the chance to do that. But, 
I mean, I think it's going to be a short leash with this defense next year. Um, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny and pressure on them to play well. And I also just wonder, like, Sonny is a good football mind. And I don't think he's totally, you know, like he's an offensive guy, but I don't think he's totally inept at understanding defensive philosophies. I hope this is happening, but are you sitting down with your defense coordinator and defensive staff and saying, okay, why are, why are we so uh, stubborn might be the wrong word, but it just appears this way from the outside. Why are we so hell bent on playing conservatively, not bringing pressure, trying to just kind of keep things in front of us? Why is that not working? What are we going to do next season to get this to another level and to do this differently? And if you have a lot of new faces next season that are going to be starters, like why do you think that's going to be an improvement? I mean, the talent level could improve, but is the processing and the understanding of the defense, is that going to improve? It's hard to say. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 where I'm at. But I, I don't get the sense that anything is changing because I feel like if it was going to go down, it would go down by now. But obviously I've been wrong before, and so there's, there's always that option, and we'll see what happens over the next few days. When we come back, we'll get some audience reaction. Also, as ECU basketball won yesterday, the men, they beat Houston Christian, uh, formerly known as Houston Baptist. We'll talk about that next year on Lockdown Horn Frogs. Prize picks. I was talking about FanDuel earlier. Uh, that's just betting on games, betting on lines. But prize picks is, is really cool because it's daily fantasy games, and it's super simple. I mean, it's just essentially over-unders on, you know, stat lines. Um, you can do it for the NFL, the NBA. There's combo projections going on right now where you can select an NBA player and an NFL player and go on a combined over-under. That's really cool. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college. First deposit. You make a first deposit of $20, they'll match it. They'll give you $23. They're going to match that up to $100. So they're, they've got free money for you to play with at prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Uh, use that code locked on college for a first deposit match. Of up to $100. Also, download their app. Uh, you can play with celebrities. Um, they have a lot of cool different games going on right now, different deals. They have a reboot policy. So, if you're one of your players gets injured, you're not just automatically out of it. They're the only daily fantasy sports app that has that type of insurance. Locked on College is a promo code to get that $100 deposit match. PrizePicks.com slash Locked on College. We appreciate them and their sponsorship here of the Locked on Network. So a few of you had thoughts on yesterday's episode where we talked about really Joe Gillespie specifically. Um, Mr. Doug said six wins over the last 15 games. No one on this coaching staff should be comfortable. I don't care what alignment they run. I just want it to be aggressive attacking the quarterback. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, there there are people that are totally out on the 3-3-5, but there are teams that run the 3-3-5 select successfully. I think it's more about the way that they're approaching it and the lack of aggressiveness that has to change, and we'll see if that happens going into next season. He also said 18% blitz rate, a three-man front blitzing more than one is regular four-man rush. And he mentioned Auburn only rushing two on their last play and allowing Alabama to score in that fourth and 31, I think it was, fourth and goal from the 31 in the Iron Bowl. I mean, it's it's the age-old kind of conundrum for defense coordinators. Do you bring pressure and you know isolate your players on an island and, and risk giving up big plays? Or do you try to play conservatively? The thing about playing conservatively, the double-edged sword there is, it allows receivers time to find space. And 
I mean, one thing that's been pretty obvious with this iteration of the defense that TCU is trying to run is teams are still finding matchup problems even with so many players in coverage. So I don't understand the apprehension to bring pressure when you're still giving up big plays even though you're trying to prevent that and that's, you know, the one thing that you're hoping to do. Um, Matt Clark said, I think we're suffering from the whiplash of going from one of the consistently best defenses in the Big 12 to one of the worst. And that trend started under uh, Gary Patterson. I don't know how you stop this bleeding where the rules are against you and the head coach wants the offense to run at lightning speed, putting even more pressure on the defense, but it's no fun to watch. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the, the, the pace of this offense puts pressure on the defense, but I don't think that's changing because, I mean, all they talked about all offseason was how the tempo was what was going to make this thing go. And, um, I mean, they didn't change it throughout the year, even when they were going three and out. So maybe they make it, maybe that's an adjustment. Maybe they do make an adjustment to the pace of this offense to give this defense more time. I feel like the key, Matt, is you got to get stops in the red zone. And TCU wasn't good at that this year. And then in some, in the games where they really struggled, they were also giving up big plays. But like you can be a team that doesn't have an amazing defense if you're able to lock down in scoring territory. But TCU hasn't been able to do that either. So it just makes this, you know, really tough situation um, where uh, where things are hard. CFB fan says, does anyone know who will return on the O-line if no one transfers out? So Patrick Willis and John Lands are out of eligibility. Um, so they're gone. Andrew Coker and Brandon Coleman, I would imagine, are gone. I think Coker and Coleman could come back for one more year if they wanted to, but my sense is that they're going to move on. Um so your returners, Colton Deary, uh, and that's and Ben Taylor Whitfield. That's really it as far as guys that played significant snaps. You know, Garrett Hayes is there as someone who's been in the mix for a few years. Tommy Brockemeyer is a name I got asked a lot about. He apparently had a back injury and had to have surgery. So I'm not sure what his status is going to be for next year. But there's going to be shuffling on this offensive line, and they're going to have to go pretty heavy in the portal um to fix that and that's a competitive position to try to find portal help because it's hard to get quality offensive linemen they get paid significant amount of money okay i'll quickly talk about the tc basketball team they beat houston christian 101 to 64 last night they're now six and zero on the season um emmanuel miller was your leading scorer with 19 points he was seven of 13 from the field it was another game where they had kind of a sleepy start didn't play super well they were down like 11 to 6 and jamie had to take a timeout but they slowly got back into it, and you know they they end up rolling and win the football or win the basketball game. Excuse me. It's really hard to tell where this team is at because the competition has been so bad. Now I like their depth. Jameer Nelson Jr. had another really great night. He's been fantastic. Micah Peavy's been a lot better on offense. He looks more decisive. He looks like he's understanding what he wants to do when he gets the ball in his hands. Um, they played Georgetown this weekend, who's not a great team, but they're at least you know in the Power Six being in the Big East, and then they'll get Clemson next week and then Arizona State. So we'll we'll hopefully get a better sense of what they're doing and what they want to do. My concern for this team right now, I mean, part of it's just focus. I talked about the slow starts, but they don't seem to play defense with the tenacity of the last few tournament teams. And that was one thing, even when those teams would struggle shooting the ball the last couple of years, they were typically able to stay in games because they could get stops. I don't know if this group has that in them. I hope they do. Chuck O'Bannon was also out with an injury yesterday. Not sure what the details were on that, but he was in street clothes. Jamie Plunkett noticed that and reported it. So uh, we'll see what they do when they hit the tougher part of the schedule this upcoming weekend. I'm also going to have Andy Patton on Friday 
to talk about uh, this basketball team. So that's going to be coming your way. It's Lockdown Horn Frogs. It's your team, and we do it here every day.